Science fiction has helped society look to the future with shows like Star Trek, Doctor Who, and Battlestar Galactica. And movies like Star Wars, The Matrix, and The Avengers have helped us pioneer the use of new technologies and to never give up on the human spirit. Fantasy stories like The Lord of the Rings, The Chronicles of Narnia, and even the game Dungeons and Dragons have helped us look at the past with an open mind, but have led us to question the fundamental principles like good and evil, right and wrong, reality versus fantasy, and to question our morality versus our humanity. Cosplay has always blurred the lines between science fiction, fantasy, and reality. For those to participate in the hobby, advancements in technology have caused more and more people to participate in cosplay. With the addition of 3D and resin printers, it's even easier to make and mass-produce the costumes and props from our favorite TV shows and movies. To the public, the ever-expanding worlds of science fiction and comic book conventions have led to more and more cosplayer interactions. This podcast is your exclusive space for science fiction news. This podcast is your place to catch up on the world of fantasy. This podcast is your place to talk about the role of cosplay. This podcast is... The Galaxy Folks, welcome to this episode of the Galaxy Cast. I have with me two people in the studio. I am Bob Crispin, your host, and I have with me, as always, the Inquisitor across the table from me, Austin. Hello and greetings, my friends. We have two things to talk about today. That's it. Two. That's it. It's really weird to say two, two. versus three. Well, maybe that's your number. I don't know. So I'm this podcast scared. is going to get split in two, and there's only two things we're going to talk about, but they're big things to talk about. We're, we're going to talk about Black Widow, the movie. That's right. If you have not seen Black Widow or have not gone to the movie theater or have not watched it on Disney+, Plus, then don't bother. Go away. No. Click on the second half of this episode, which will probably be about, I don't know, 30 to 40 minutes in. Uh, if not, listen to us uh, expound on our thoughts on Black Widow. And then we are going to take a break and we'll be back. And we're going to talk about the last two episodes of WandaVision and the possible implications to the Marvel MCU. So let's get right to it. All right, Black Widow. We finally had a chance to both watch Black Widow. I really bit my tongue last week when my son and I were podcasting because, man, I had a lot of things to say and I I just couldn't say them. I could see it all over your face. It was killing me. And when I saw it, I'm like, I know exactly. And now you know exactly why I was biting my tongue. So if you have not seen The Black Widow, please, at this point, fast forward about 35 to 40 minutes in the episode. If you've seen Black Widow, stick with us. That is my last spoiler warning. Okay. Black Widow. First off, before we begin, general thoughts, Austin. Good or bad movie? More of a meh. A meh movie. Okay. All right. It's like that, like, it wasn't terrible. It wasn't like uh, Howard the Duck, but it wasn't, I, I put the benchmark of, it wasn't Captain America, the first Avenger, Here's what I was a near flawless. Here's the, the thing I got with, Wan, with, with, I keep wanting to say WandaVision, with Black Widow. <laughs> It has a lot of things that make you go, huh? Well, my favorite... Not even, hmm. Yeah. Huh? Yeah. Okay. And on top of it, the whole title of the film, after you get through the whole plot and everything, it's like... It's um, not about Black Widow. It's not about her at all. Mm -hmm. And on top of it, it starts... 
in that weird gap between Asia, uh, uh, Civil War and Infinity War. Yeah. It's like closer to, to uh, Civil War than anything. Which I'm not sure that that fits the timeline. I would have preferred we go back to the 90s and early 2000s and followed her journey through the Red Room. That's what I thought we were going to do. That's what I thought with the first like 10 to 15 minutes of this film. And then we don't. And I was kind of sitting there going, or like ever. We no, we don't. We don't ever. We we allude to it in one of the scene, and that's afterwards. And she's trying to join Shield. She blows so, up the red room. Let, let me start off by saying this: Marvel bragged about this movie being being the Black Widow backstory. This was supposed to explain everything for the Black Widow. It was supposed to explain. Why the Black Widow came to be. Remember, everybody said it's the origin story. It's the origin story. It's Natasha's origin story. Yep. So my question for the audience, and I want you to think about this, really really think about it. Do you feel like you know more about Natasha's backstory now than than before you saw the movie? You know a little bit. That's about it. What do you know now that you didn't know then? That in 1995, she was Fathered by Red Guardian and had a sister as well. As no, well as the she wasn't was... thoughted, fathered by Red Guardian. They made I, that clear. I she made was taking quotes. Well, she was taken away from her family and given to the Red Guardian. But what do we know about her backstory? Ah, see, there's the problem I had with this movie. If you're going you to run around nothing. and go, oh, it's Natasha Romanoff's backstory. We're going to find out all this stuff about Natasha Romanoff. And then you don't find a dang thing out about Natasha Romanoff. What was the point of your movie then? Oh, because if it's supposed to be her backstory, then mm-hmm. we should be going all the way back, you know, the deep, deep back in the backstory. So we know why Natasha is the way she is. Here's the really stupid part of this movie. I learned more about Natasha in Avengers mm-hmm. in the Red Room than mm-hmm. I did in this movie. The Age of Ultron like horror aspect uh, Scarlet Witch fever dream taught me we more, learned about, more the, about Natasha more about the Red Room than we, than did, we did here. here. How sad is that? That's really sad. The fact that you and I both agree on that. What really upsets me about this is I kind of feel like the director slash producer of this movie... Just wanted to make a movie about Black Widow, but knew nothing about Marvel, nor nothing about Natasha Romanoff, and just decided, mm, let's dabble in the Marvel world. That's It felt, okay, so I'll equate this to Star Wars fans so they can mm-hmm. really, really, really understand this. Mm-hmm. This movie felt like, to the MCU, what Han Solo felt like to the Star Wars movies. It was like somebody was a fan of the MCU, but had never read the comics nor really fully understood what the MCU is about. How does Han... It's kind of what Han Solo is. The person who, who initially directed Han Solo. Now, I'm not blaming... Oh, and I want to be clear Solo, about this. The Solo movie. Yes, the Han Solo, the ah, Solo story. Ah. So I should be more clear about that. Mm-hmm. I'm not blaming Ron... I'm forgetting Ron Howard. Thank you, Ron Howard. It's not his fault. Ron Howard was given a hot mess, and he fixed it as much as he could. It's not really totally his fault. As a matter of fact, I think the movie would have been better if Ron Howard had had control from the beginning, but he didn't. I also think that if The Last Jedi wasn't such a bombshell... I agree with you. Han Solo might have done done better. better, But I still think it's a hot mess, okay? It's still Uh, a hot mess of a story 
that was all over the place that really didn't do anything to further the Han Solo story. My big thing about the Han Solo story was you had an opportunity to show him going through the Imperial Academy and you blew it. You right? just basically decided to jump to him on Mimbon. Okay. And that's so it. now okay, now make that comparison to Black Widow. You had a chance to show Black Widow going through the Red Room and the training and how does she meet she how did she meet Hawkeye? How did Budapest go about? We still don't know. No. And all we get is a scene of her saying, uh, execute the order. <laughs> execute order 66, blow up the red room. Right. And that's it. That's it. That's, that's about the it. the only scene. And so it's... Do, you, do you see the equivalence here? Mm-hmm. Right? Like there, there is a parallel between these two movies. And I think the fans feel the same way about both movies. They missed the mark. And I can honestly say this is the first Marvel movie I walked away from going... You missed the mark on it. Like, oh, yeah. you completely missed what the goal of the movie was, which was Natasha Romanoff's backstory. And it was just blown from beginning to end. Now, I've got other problems, too. I'll talk about those as we go through. So let's go through our plot. Again, these will be in the show notes. Uh, again, just a reminder, if on YouTube or Rumble, click that Rumble button and you know, make sure you Rumble us. If you're on YouTube, make sure you click subscribe, maybe even share. Uh, we really want to get our YouTube numbers up, too. Yeah. And if you're on the podcast, just keep listening. Okay, so the plot. In 1995, Super Soldier... Alexei Shostakov, Shostakov and Black Widow Melina Vostokov, Russian undercover agents, pose as a family in Ohio with their surrogate daughters Natasha Romanoff and Yelena Belova. Now, I'm assuming Black Widow, if I'm reading the entire movie correctly, is simply a code name, correct? Is that? It's supposed to, it's, yeah, it's a code name for the okay. Widow Ops, which right. is what Natasha is raised in and all that. And I'm assuming after we watch this movie, mm-hmm. and we'll talk about it a little bit later, uh, that Yelena is pretty much the new Black Widow. So, yeah. after finishing the mission to steal S.H.I.E.L.D. intel, is it really S.H.I.E.L.D. intel they steal? Yes. Okay. I guess I didn't realize that. Because technically the, the Widow Ops were working with HYDRA, so they could sneak into uh, S.H.I.E.L.D. and out of S.H.I.E.L.D. So HYDRA was working with the Russians? Yes. And No. Because in Sokovia, which is not far from Russia, there's the Russian base, or the Hydra base, Strucker. I was trying to think of yeah, that. Yeah, I get it. So Strucker is a Hydra agent, but doesn't necessarily agree with all the mythology thing and, and infiltration that Hydra does. They'd rather be... I guess that's where I am. I have a bit of an issue, because... I don't know. I, I've I've never thought of Russia as working with Hydra in the Marvel comics, but maybe I'm wrong. Maybe I need to go back and look at my Marvel MCU a little, or Mar- Marvel this lore might a little just bit. Be, this might just be because we don't have a choice. Yeah, and or they, they just couldn't get anything else to work together, so this seemed also, to work. But also, they don't know that they're going into S.H.I.E.L.D. headquarters to steal information for the Russians, so it could just be a whole nother ball of wax. Right. So after finishing their mission to steal S.H.I.E.L.D. intel, they escape to Cuba and rendezvous with their boss, General Drakov, who has Romanov and Belova taken to the Red Room for training. I got the impression, though, that, like, they're not... Mm. They're making this sound like Drakov sending them to the Red Room for the first time. Did you get that was the impression, though? No. Like It it sounded like... It sounded to me like Natasha's been there at this point, and Yelena had not, and Natasha was trying to protect Yelena 
from having to go to the Red Room, right? Like, yeah, and on top of it, she also said something along the lines of, like, I don't want to go back. Right, she kept saying, I, I don't want to go back, I don't want to go back. No, 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 you heard that correctly, okay. and I heard it too, and I was about to bring that up too. I'm like, so if you don't want to go back, then why are we going there first? I, I, I There's so much confusion about this movie, and that's the problem. The storyline is just so bleh. Yeah. And, and okay, so I got it. They got to Cuba, which told me, okay, we're dealing with the Russians. Like that helped. Okay. But again, Drakov's not sending them there for the first time for training. He's sending them back there. Right. Mm hmm. So years passed during which Shostakov is imprisoned in Russia while Romanov defects to S.H.I.E.L.D. Did she? Well, she did, but not at that point yet. That's just more of a. Do you, do you see why the, even this is confusing? Like this, this is more or less. This is a plot say... point on Wikipedia, and we're still not quite sure if this is what actually happens. And they, they've oh no, that's just because it's an acronym. Like they didn't capitalize it A after the period next to D, but then I realized it's an yeah, no. But I'm not even sure she defected to Shield. I just think she no, defected away from the Russians, right? Like that's that's well, mine. During the Budapest incident, Budapest, in the, yeah. whatever <laughs> incident. There's no H. My bun, my son hates the fact that in Russian you say Budapest. He doesn't understand why it's sh. There's no H. There's <laughs> because no there's no H, and I don't, I can't explain it either. But that's the Russian way you say Budapest. We are so American when we say Budapest. <laughs> Anyways, during Instead that of whole Budapest? during the one scene that we talk about, and it was mentioned in dialogue before, part of her defection to Shield, she had to blow up the Red Room. So this line is correct. It's just in the wrong spot. Right. Uh, yeah, that's what I'm saying. It's too early. It should be placed in... Right, like in the second or third paragraph down here. Almost fourth paragraph yeah. down here. But So anyway, so she defects to S.H.I.E.L.D. after bombing Dracov's Budapest office, apparently killing him and his young daughter, Antonia. Or so she thinks. Right. So, right. Now, let me ask you, since we're mm. getting into that, did you see it coming? No body, no death. Okay, but did you see that that was... Did you did you see it coming that Taskmaster was Dracoff's daughter? No, and I was absolutely pissed off. Well, I figured you were going to be mad. I figured you were going to be right with anger about that. But I did not... No. The minute the bombing happened, I looked right at your mother. I go, oh. And she says, what? And I said, that's Taskmaster. And your mother went, wait, what? And I said... I'll You'll explain see. later. I, I'm see. like, but that's not right, but it is her. It is. And I, I I don't know why, but something in that scene just caught my attention. Why did they slow-mo show the explosion? Why did you have to show it? And I did not like that. I'm being honest. I didn't like it. I didn't like any of that at all. I, I just was not a fan of the whole. It was actually like Marvel. hate to tell you that was too predictable. It actually got to a point where I was kind of like, yeah, saw it coming. Like, actually, like, you tried to Winter Soldier me, and I didn't buy it because I, I just saw it coming. It was, I was expecting some sort of twist, and, I, and, and, and then I kind of went, oh. Because, again, the director and producer had said, we're going to put a plot twist in that you're least expecting. And the sad part is by telling me that and telegraphing it before I went to the movie, you actually told me what you did, unfortunately. That, and it kind of helps that everybody on the set was like, girl power, you know. <laughs> <laughs> you know, women in tight, tight I, uniforms, no more. You know, girl power. I was, was going to wait like, till we got through the whole review, but I'm kind of like, of the cast, besides male misogynist widow team leader and Red Guardian. Dracov, yep. Who else are main cast males that have actual character names? 
Uh, yeah. I know. <laughs> Listen, I don't have a problem with females being leads. Actually, I don't no. even have a problem with a, a Black Widow movie. I wanted a Black Widow movie. It's why I went to see it. My issue is you did not do... Uh, you've talked about this. Yet again, we did not do strong character development in a female movie. No. You just we did ba- a great job in character development for Drakov and for Red Guardian. That's the sad part. The, fact the two males, Guardian- we had great, great... Just think about that for a minute. We had great character development for the only two males in the movie. And then we threw aside the three main female leads. Actually, actually, four main female leads, because if you could include Taskmaster, it was kind of a throw aside, too. I actually feel like the mother character was almost correct. She almost got there. Almost there. There's like three or four things that slipped up that made me mad. Yes. Oh, so just, anyway, going just on. Just keep going. In 2016, Romanoff is a fugitive for violating the Sokovia Accords, which again, that seemed a little out of place. Don't you feel like that was forced? Yeah, we just jumped to this like 2016 and location, right. and she's changing in a bathroom and dyeing her hair or whatever. And right. It just felt so out of place. I don't know. It just felt weird. She escaped from U.S. Secretary of State Thaddeus Ross and flees to a safe house in Norway supplied by Rick Mason, who... Mason's kind of a, actually, I feel sorry for him by the I end do. of the movie. I do. But hang on. She didn't escape. She was never there. Right. She was never there. That was all, like, set up and recording. and Right. Miss Super Spy here. So, again, exactly I feel like Wikipedia what... completely missed yes. the plot point here. Whoever wrote this sucks. Let me just say that. Sorry, Wikipedia. It's and I'm sorry. Truth. When you have it, Thaddeus Ross, it's got to be Thunderbolts Ross. Right. Make Should be. It... Should be Thaddeus Thunderbolt Ross and flees to a safe house in yeah, Norway. Come on, Get and, and here's right. here's my other thing too. Ross is Secretary of State. He was Secretary of State was during he? Civil War. Yes. Okay, I guess I didn't realize they have was... Secretary of State Ross. Pretty much everything else. I thought he was just a five star general. I didn't realize. He no, he got Secretary promoted to Secretary of State when well, the whole must uh, be a Democratic president. Oh my god. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, meanwhile, <laughs> wow. <laughs> sorry, I just um, put it out there. but it happened. During Civil War, okay. in the first incident where Scarlet Witch actually blew up crossbones okay. in the building, yeah, that all happened then. So I love how they, they name it a safe house in Norway. It's more like a safe trailer crappy piece of junk pile of metal <laughs> because that's about all it is. And and not only that, but, you know, what, 10 minutes after he leaves, Romanoff runs out of gas in yeah, her, in in her generator. generator and she's kind of stuck. Well, that's my favorite is I was looking at this and I'm listening to it going... This sounds like the house fell off the trailer for mm, yeah. <laughs> the house fell off the uh, off the bricks. It was it was tornado season. And you know what they miss here? Because I'm reading through and I'm, I'm reading ahead. What are mm. they missing here? Meanwhile, Belova kills a former rogue Black Widow. Uh, we we missed the whole fight between Widow and uh, yeah, and Taskmaster. Taskmaster. Wait, which... no, it's further down. This scene comes further. See how it says manage to escape Taskmaster. Okay. Yeah. Okay. So, meanwhile, Belova kills a rogue former Black Widow, but comes in contact with synthetic gas that neutralizes the Red Room's chemical mind control agent. Yeah. So, is she a rogue former Black Widow? See, that's not the way I interpreted that scene. She's a... Belova is hunting a former Black Widow. That's what the whole Widow op of five people or more... Yeah, but I'm... See, I'm not... I'm not... 
I don't think she's rogue in that. They do say it was a rogue black right, right. Uh, So maybe they're agent. referring to the agent as rogue, mm-hmm. even though we see the agent as finally being not mind controlled. Yes, but that's but, the thing. is, It's the mother who created the training slash gas created yeah, a cure okay. for it, and that's what happened. So Belova sends the antidote vials to Romanoff, hoping she will send the Avengers to free the other widows. Which, again, if that's your goal... How about telling, you know, her that hey, uh, could Leave you a get the Avengers on there? Find yeah. Avengers, yeah, synthetically. Uh, bring make your guests. friends. I don't know something. <laughs> you know, like bring your friends. Coordinates listed. Right, right. Like here's where you need to go. It's floating in the sky. It's, just it's not sticky, hard to find. It's a sticky note. That's all you need is a sticky note. Actually, if you... you fly around with your floating fortress, you might even run into this thing. Um, just to let you know, yeah, like I'm sure the helicarriers bumped into it, even kind of sort of. Yeah. Well, at this point, the helicarrier is still crashed, so. I'm just joking, but uh, you get what I, I'm I, saying. I know what you're going after. It's so dumb. when Romanoff unknowingly drives off with the vials, which everybody in the movie theater is like, Duh. Taskmaster attacks her, seeing them, her seeking them. Now, again, you don't know much about Taskmaster at this point, but I gotta say. At first, I was kind of like, oh, Taskmaster, cool. When you even see the first scene with Taskmaster, it's studying fights of the Avengers. And you even see some of uh, Black Widow's scenes in there. I'm sitting there going, yeah, that's what he should be doing. I got worried, though, when I saw that scene because he was not, if you paid attention, Taskmaster was not mimicking your moves like you're supposed to, right? Mm-hmm. So for those people that don't know, because mm-hmm. we have some non-Marvel fans around. Taskmaster, the original Taskmaster, I'm going to look up his name quick because it always drives me crazy. I because think it's he not... actually doesn't have a No, he does have a name. ID name because he's taken a, so many different names over the years. Hang on. He has. He does. Tony Masters. That's his name. Oh. And Tony Masters, he, he was trained by the U.S. government. But one of the things that he can do, that this is, this is what really bothered me. Tony Masters really, really his superpowers. Where it's not even really a superpower; it's just a he's a really well trained super soldier. Mm-hmm. Is he can mimic your moves? That's what makes him dangerous. Is the fact that he can mimic your moves. So when Cap, you know, uses a shield against him, he goes and gets his own shield and uses it against Cap. That's why he has the sword, because when he met the Black Knight, he mimicked all the Black Knight's moves and became good with the sword. That's why he has a bow, because when he meets Hawkeye, he mimics all his movements with Hawkeye. He, you know, he can mimic Thor. He can mimic Hercules. He can mimic Hulk. He can mimic... He's really good. So once he watches you once, once he sees you once, he can mimic everything you're doing. And that's what makes him dangerous, I guess is the best way to put it. The only, extremely dangerous. The only situation where he, where he couldn't predict against somebody is Deadpool. Yeah. And that's because Deadpool's just bouncing around the walls crazy that he can't even think what he's own what is he he can't even keep track of what he's only doing. Correct. Correct. And supposedly the reason and I was looking this up here, that's what I was talking about. Uh the president president puts together a commission on superhuman activities. One of the reasons he puts together that commission in the comic books is because Taskmaster causes fear among the U.S. government because he's able to mimic so well that even their own best agents 
can't beat the Taskmaster, right? On no. top of that, he's also a master of disguise, so he can Correct. make himself look like well, he can make himself look like other people. Anybody. Too. And that was that was where I was kind of like, okay, we already right off the bat took away from Taskmaster because what's Taskmaster during the battle? He's not mimicking Black Widow, but he's got a computer set of computer goggles that are helping him analyze to do what he needs to do in order to win, or yeah, she, as I, it were. And as I'm watching, I'm going, that's not, it's not right. Master. And, and I'm I said, that and I kind of mumbled under my breath, well, that makes him weak. Because it does. Yeah. Because it takes away from his supposed power or ability. And I kind of got upset about that because it made a, a really strong, really strong villain. By the way, really strong villain in the Marvel Universe, and you took away from it. And honestly, if you want to leave it a female, fine, but then don't have them use the goggles. Just be Taskmaster. If if you would have left it as a female able to do what Taskmaster is able to do. In other words, instead of it being Tony Masters, it was just a female, you might have actually won me over a little. Mm-hmm. A little. I got to yeah. be honest. I might have actually been okay with that. Yeah. But because you kind of, like, made her weaker. And, again, did you do that because it's a female? Because, like, again, then I go, wait a minute. Why did you do that then? So, do you see the double speak here that I'm talking about? Like, when it comes oh, yeah. to female characters, this is what I'm talking about. Marvel just can't seem to get it right. And the sad part here is you had a, you had a female director. You had a female director. On a quick side note, I just looked at the box office winnings. It's $272.9, and they only had a $2 million budget. Right. So they're only two point nine above the actual budget for the No, film. it's 72.9. Or 72.9, yeah. And I'll talk about that in, in just a little just, bit, too. Mm-hmm. By the way, Kate Shortland was the director of this movie, and that's where I'm kind of saying, all right, uh, I have an issue uh-huh. with Kate Shortland because I don't think she understands Marvel. Anyway, let's go on. So Taskmaster attacks her, seeking them. Romanoff manages to escape Taskmaster, Taskmaster and realize they came from Belova. The two reunite in Budapest. Romanoff learns Drakov is alive and the Red Room is still active. So, you know, they finally meet, right? And it was this awesome, in Budapest. Like, this awesome, like, spy duel, like, each one of them holding a pistol up and turning corners. Yep. Like, this taunting match, and then they finally face-to-face, and they both put pistols down. I was like, right. come on. Shortly after Black Widows attacked them, Romanoff and Belova inv- evade them and Taskmaster before meeting Mason, who supplies them with a helicopter. Now, again, there's a lot that happens in there. Uh, still, my favorite scene, though, of all of this is when Belova makes fun of Romanoff with her whole... Oh, yeah, the stance with the yeah. hair. What's with the stance and the, and the hair? You know, like, yeah. Oh, yeah. I, I did think um, that was at least there was at least some humor in this. The one thing we skipped over is they get chased throughout Budapest. Yes, and there's a pretty good car fight and here. One of the agents has to kill themselves. Yes, and and Roman well, no, is watching she, that. She doesn't kill herself. If you caught on, she didn't catch her kill herself. Drakov saw that she was injured, mm-hmm. beyond repair. So what did he do? He ordered the. He killed her. Well, he ordered the gas, which controls her, to kill herself. Right. But he still, like, he pulled the switch, okay? That's important. Drakov Drakov pulled the switch, not the girl. Actually, I think the girl would have rather have killed herself. But Drakov pulled the switch. I I thought that was actually, that actually was kind of cool. I liked that. And that is more like Drakov from the comic books, which I was good with that. mm -hmm. So they, they end up, they invade Taskmaster, 
They meet with Mason. They get a helicopter from him. And they both agree that they've got to go and get Shostakov out of prison because they need to find out more about what's actually going on with the Black Widows and why why there's this chemical out there that can free all the all the Black Widows. Mm-hmm. That never really gets explained well, does it? Why are no. you know like why are they going after Shostakov? Yeah, Shostakov. Well, they looking. never really do truly explain why it's such a big deal to go and free these women. Like, I kind of get it, but it's never explained. You, They're kind it, of assuming you know. It, it's For going and getting the right Red Guardian, it's more or less we need to find uh, him. So we need to find the Guardian. The Guardian's the only one who knows where he is. Right. Which, even then afterwards, he's like, no, I don't, because he just shoved me in prison. Right, because they're trying to get to the Red Room, and I get that. And he's like, I asked to go toe-to-toe I got my issues with the Red Room, but I'll bring that up later, too. But he's like, I asked, after that mission in 95, I asked to be able to go toe-to-toe with Cap. I asked to be doing a hand-to-duel with Cap. And instead, they shoved me in a prison because I decided to speak out against the government and wanted to go do my own thing. Yep, we'll talk about that in a minute. So Romanov and Belova break... Shostakov out of prison to learn Drakov's location. Which that prison scene was an interesting scene. By the way, did you know that according to certain individuals, we saw our first mutant in this movie? Mm-hmm. Yeah, because apparently the one guy that Shostakov or Shostakov arm wrestles, yeah, is a mutant. It's it's Olivier Richards, who's Ursa. Ursa. Who the heck is Ursa? So when you go to Wikipedia and you look up Ursa. Why do I feel like it's a Russian mutant? I'm going to want to put Marvel Comics so it doesn't like. It's the character Ursa Major. Oh, uh oh. Who's supposedly a human mutant. Part of the Soviet super soldiers. In the Winter Guard. Yes, in the Winter Guard. So, remember the big guy that he arm wrestles with? He's huge, right? Yeah, he's big. He's tattooed. He's got a bear tattoo on his back. That makes him Ursa Major. Therefore, supposedly, he is claiming, and I'm talking about the actor who played Ursa Major, which, by the way, isn't titled (laughs) Ursa Major, but just titled Ursa, Uh Olivier Richter's, is claiming he is the first mutant to be on screen for the MCU. Yeah, I'm kind of thinking that's a stretch. I gotta I be honest with you. I think that's a stretch, you. but he'd like that because that would make it so that he'd right. be like he wants to say he is. He wants to be that character. That's my. I'm guess. still waiting for Feige to confirm that, and it's uh, it hasn't come out yet. So anyway, they break him out of prison. Probably one of the weirdest, dumbest prison breaks ever. Oh yeah, Guardian that, just decided that, to botch. That can I can right I just away. ask a question though? Didn't you think that whole scene was a little mm, unnecessary? Did it help the plot point of the movie at all? Uh, a little, but it was more or less like it was a really bad side mission. I was waiting for a robot chicken, Michael Bay, because that's really <laughs> all that whole scene was, right? Just a reason for well, some explosions and and a reason and to kind of paint. And, and here's where I got line. upset a little bit. And a reason to kind of paint every guy as a dumb moron that should be in jail. And yeah. I was kind of like, hmm, yeah, I see where we're going with that. So that's that's okay. So that was my thoughts about the jail scene. I did not like the jail scene, by the way. Uh, Any of it. It was stupid. I 
I like the start out just for the humor of having the Red Guardian toy pop up. And that's yeah, how, that was kind of that's funny. That's how they get the mm-hmm. communication device. Yeah. My question is, how the deuce did he become a super soldier? Because... Um, no story about that, huh? No story about that. Hmm. The super soldier for Caps, the serum that made him, guy's dead. Straight right. dead. And the serum was destroyed. The that's... serum that made Winter Soldier stronger, the Infinity Serum was a Russian-only serum, and it was destroyed after Hydra cut ties with Russia post the Winter Soldier Ops. Right. So how the deuce so is So if I remember my Marvel comic lore correctly without looking it up, I'm pretty sure it's a variant on the Winter Soldier serum. So okay. once Hydra left, the Russians played around with the Winter Soldier serum and tried to give Shostakov the same serum it was a weakened version so he wasn't quite as strong as Winter Soldier but he definitely was a super soldier is that why he can get drunk yeah (laughs) yeah so anyway let's go on so he tells them to speak with Vostokov who lives in a farm outside St. Petersburg where she developed the chemical mind control process used on the widows can I just point something out in her efforts to leave Russia she went to St. Petersburg. She never left Russia. Right? Like, mm-hmm. again, if you follow logic here, this movie does not make logical sense. If she left the Russians to go work for S.H.I.E.L.D., right? She, she... Mean, no. Or not her. I'm sorry. She didn't go work for S.H.I.E.L.D. But but she, she wanted to leave the Russian government. Why would you say in St. Petersburg? I mean, seriously. What? What? Like, I don't know. This is kind of like Luke going to Coruscant, I guess, would be the worst thing he could do. That's pretty much what she did. Luke going to Coruscant? What? Uh, and and Star Wars. Imagine if Luke wanted to hide from Vader. Where would he not go? Coruscant. Uh-huh. Right? Okay, that's what I'm saying. Here. I mean, he could have gone to Nar and it would probably just be as bad. So anyway, she, 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 where she develops the chemical mind control processes. So she has figured out how to beat the mind control process. One thing they don't talk about is who developed this gas that undoes the mind control process, it's her. right? Oh, they well. assume you yeah. know it's her, but they never actually come out and say nope. it's her. Again, the director did not connect dots here for you. And we got done with the movie, and your mother did ask me. She's like, so who came up with the chemical? And I'm like, oh, you didn't catch on? And I went, oh, I guess they really didn't say it was her, but I kind of assumed that it was Melina. <laughs> it's kind of like... Mm, good question. So anyway, there Belova reveals that while they were not re- a real family, she believes they were so. So again, they were in Ohio faking being a, a American family as Russians. Mm-hmm. And even though they weren't a real family, just like Yelena felt like she was neglected and Natasha felt like she was neglected, Melina kind of felt like she abandoned her daughter. So that part of the story... I kind of liked. I liked the idea that they... Well, no. That was more against, like... Romanov kept saying, we are not a family. And I am done being in the service of the Russian government because I don't want to be used as a weapon. So, she gets mad at her saying that. That's where this whole line comes from. Right, I get it. And and, and I liked the argument between Yelena and it Natasha because... It felt like a real family right, argument. right. right. It felt like something else as a and family would argue the, about. The really stupid thing about it all is there's a lot of things unsaid, but I get it. You know what I mean? Like, right? When they're sitting there at the table and they're not really saying exactly what they're thinking, but they're still, like, you can kind of get it. 
You know what I mean? It's like definitely real fe- family right, feels. Right. And so like that scene was well written. Whoever did that like had obviously been in a serious family feud somewhere in their life, and like totally got that. So anyway. Afterward, mm-hmm. Vostokov admits she sent their location to Drakov. His agents arrive and take them to the Red Room and Ariel facility. Let's talk about that in a minute. So I just like the whole scene where he sings Bye Bye American Pie with yeah. Yelena. Great scene, by then, the way. And then the lights go out and the and the lights come on from behind with those like really bright yeah, like and you lights. knew something bad was going to happen as soon as the whole house got the, lit up. Stay behind me. Gets chopped by one. Oh yeah, yeah. Is that all you? And then he gets shot by fifteen more and then falls over. I knew it was really important that just before that scene happened, we had Natasha and Melina in Melina's like weapons closet, weapons room. Yeah, I knew there was something significant about that. There was a reason we left the two of them there, and they find we find out later. Now, here's where I'm kind of like, the hell, okay. <laughs> I hate this last sentence. It says, oh, his, so his agents arrive and take them to the Red Room, an aerial facility. It's just so bland and blah, but then I got a lot of questions about this. So we go to the Red Room. Number one. It's not a room. It's a freaking fortress. It's a freaking fortress. It's one step away from being a Floating de- in the middle of the sky. It's one step away from a Death Star. <laughs> it's almost as large as... A shield supercarrier. It's probably larger. Uh, uh, Just about half the size of a shield helicarrier. Let's just say. How? There's that cloud cover. How the heck does somebody not see this thing? How does a satellite not run into it? How does a helicarrier not accidentally hit it? How does a helicopter, an airplane, a bird (laughs) not accidentally (laughs) fall down from hitting this flipping thing in the middle of the sky? And yeah. Has maglev technology gotten that amazing? Because hang on, hang on, hang wow! On. First off, it's using a propulsion they stole nah, tar- from tech they, they from Star Trek. Blah, yeah. blah 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 Number blah. Number one. Number two. There is no logic. Well, that okay. So they, they use the Jedi Force mm, mind trick and look at Shield. Mm, when you don't see anything, up you there. had so many cool ways you could have revealed the Red Room. The Red Room could have been anywhere, anytime, any place, and you put it in the sky. You put it in the sky. So this is what proved to me that this chick who directed this film did not read a Marvel comic in her life. Because wasn't it the whole thing about the Red Room was it could be anywhere yes. in the world? Yes, because there's comics where she discovers there's a Red Room in the United States. She discovers a Red Room in Panama. There's one in Russia. She finds out there's one in Brazil. There's one in Uganda, I think, at one point. Like, that's the whole point. Wow. The Red Room is everywhere. Why? It's a flipping room. It is not a flying fortress in the middle of the sky under some clouds <laughs> that you can run into with anything. What the bloody... <laughs> nah. I just imagine and then like- I'm sitting here thinking, wait a minute. This thing comes out of the sky. So let's talk about the end of the movie. It blows up. It comes down. Mm-hmm. And we never talk about that. Nope. It doesn't show up on a on a, a newsreel anywhere. It's not even mentioned in Infinity War nope. or any what what. <laughs> and movie. you all got a problem with Daredevil not mentioning the the you know the alien attack, and you're okay with this? What the? Well, the okay, MCU is- fans, you're all drunk. The DC or sorry the 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 Daredevil. I, I, I don't know why I said DC. The Daredevil. Daredevil show was not affiliated with Marvel 
productions as uh, it was when it was created. Uh, careful what you say. It may be now, <coughs> but at the it t- was then. But at the time, they were not allowed to use any mention of Marvel film properties. No, actually, that's not what they said. They couldn't use any of the characters. So they, they limited what MCU characters they could use. But they told Netflix, you cannot use, like, Cap. You cannot use Thor. Well, that's the thing. They if did they do, say they could make reference to certain things going on in the Marvel Universe. If you're careful and you watch, in the news clips in the background, every once in a while, you'll see a Hulk rages against this. You know, Thor attacks that. Uh, you know, it it is in there. It's just that people didn't want it. To, they wanted it to be outright. They wanted it. Well, be, people wanted to be forefront. But I'm just saying, if you can couldn't. believe, if you can believe that Daredevil is even kind of, sort of, partially in the MCU, then how the heck does this movie fit in? Like that, I, I, because mm-hmm. everything that's in here is an afterthought, and also you didn't see anything. Yeah, right. So anyway. That's the logic I'm going with. Let's go on. So Vostokov and Romanov use face mask technology to switch places before being captured, which we didn't know, by the way, when you were watching the movie. It was a great kind of... It was awesome. I loved it. Expectation subversion. Perfectly timed. Allowing Vostokov to free Shostakov and Belova from their restraints. Mm -hmm. Meanwhile, Romanov confronts Drakov, who sees through her disguise. Which was awesome that we see that. He didn't really see through her disguise. He, She said something that caught his attention. I forget what she said. And he kind of went, wait, that's something that no, Romanoff no, would say. No, was, he, was he, was, he was ahead of it the whole time. Okay. I, the guess, way he I was, guess I didn't catch on Because the that. way he was talking and talking about a child that you would watch grow up, it was definitely like he knew something was okay. going on All right. before I that I didn't catch point. on to that. So Romanoff learns Taskmaster's Antonia, which at this point I was kind of like, yeah, yeah, yeah. Figured it out a long time ago. So uh. I also have questions because the costume, her head is so far in from her shoulders. Obviously, it's meant to be making her look like a man. Hmm. But that's got to look really uncomfortable. Right. If you're, if you're a person who wants to cosplay this costume, there is no way that you're not going to have to do it without, like, Having everything hooked up above your shoulders and make yourself look like a linebacker. In... Oh, well, I just think you're going to have to make a thing smaller. But anyway. Yeah. Uh, who suffered damage. So we're talking about Taskmasters. Antonia, who suffered damage yeah, severe yeah. enough that Drakov put a chip in her head. And I just, again, and I thought that was a, a such a bad cop-out I started, for I started, Taskmaster. I'm in the theater. Mind you, my sister and I watched it in 3D versus they watched it regular. I just started putting my thumbs down on my other hand. Yeah. And she kept swatting my hand. I'm like, no, I don't like this. Thumbs down. I'm not a fan. This, this so is then the they Roman explain, Emperor. This made her the perfect soldier capable of mimicking the actions of anyone she sees. Which, again, it's a lame cop-out to have a chip in her head instead of a guy who can actually mimic somebody's actions. I, I just... Mm. Romanoff attempts to kill Drakov but fails to harm him due to a pheromone lock installed in every widow. Drakov reveals that he controls widows worldwide via his desk console. Romanoff intentionally breaks her nose, severing a nerve in her nasal passage to negate the pheromone, and then attacks Drakov. That was kind of cool. I like the fact that the, the the scene cutting back to prior to them getting captured, mm. she mentions that. The mother does. She's like, yeah. he has a pheromone lock. He'll lock you down. You need to be able to break... You need to be able to break his pheromone lock. Well, doing so would require you to do something drastic. You need to sever a nerve. Yeah. So break my nose. So Shostakov battles Taskmaster while Vostokov 
takes out one of the facility's engines. See, now here's why I was kind of like upset at this point about Taskmaster. Now the fight between Red Guardian and Taskmaster seems like not such a big deal. Yeah, in the right? in the trailer, it's like yeah, and then it's like yeah. Just, now you're kind of like it's well, two minutes eh. of fighting, and it's not even all that good. It's cut yeah. into yeah, it's cut into quite a bit. So Vostokov takes out one of the uh, facility's engines, and Belova searches for other widows who have been sent to Project Drakov or protect Drakov. Excuse me. Together, Shostakov and Vostokov lock Taskmaster in a cell. Drakov escapes as the Widows attack Romanov, but Belova creates an antidote bomb that releases the Widows from mind control. Correction. She attached all of the vials to a flashbang. Mm. That's an antidote bomb. Flashbang, same thing. She could have duct taped it and it would have been just as handy. Maybe, but not as manly. It would have been red green all over again. If they don't find your hands, at least they'll find it handy. So Romanov gets into the control desk and copies the locations of the other Widows worldwide as the facility begins to explode and fall. Romanov retrieves the two surviving vials of the antidote and frees Taskmaster from the locked cell. Vostokov and Shostakov escape via a plane just as Belova takes out Drakov's helicopter, killing him. In freefall, Romanov gives Belova a parachute before battling Taskmaster. After landing, Romanov uses the antidote on Taskmaster, freeing her from servitude. The freed widows arrive as Belova, Vostokov, and Shostakov say goodbye to Romanov. She gives Blow the, the last antidote vial and the portable drive, telling her to find and free the others. Still mind-controlled widows. As they leave with Antonia, Romanov waits, awaits Ross and his men, who arrive to apprehend her. So there's a lot going on here and a lot to unpack a little bit. But And the, the sad thing is that's probably all of about four minutes, that whole paragraph. Maybe. Something like that of the movie. Here's my issue with with the whole the whole scene when when the red room finally gets you know it blows up right. Gravity's a bitch, people. Like seriously, mm-hmm. so the whole scene, like almost I would say ninety nine point nine percent of it could be totally disproved with Mistbusters because the way they're jumping around on objects and falling with grace and style, no. No, you'd fall and fall flat on your face and be dead. Even if you were a super soldier, I don't care. You're not going to fall like that. I'm sorry. It's just. And then, of course, they free Taskmaster at the end. Right. So I just want to point this out for you. Maybe you don't even know this. Mm. Online, people are like, but you see, now you can get your Taskmaster you wanted because the one that was the female Taskmaster got free. So for all you know, that other dude's still out there. So you could still have. You're Tony Master's Taskmaster. It's just this one happened to be female. And I was kind of like, no, 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 no. You know, it's like, you know, all I could think of was like, you know, the emperor going, no, no, no. You know, it's just it's such a lie. And then Taskmaster is not again. It's not like a black widow. It is not a moniker for, you know, a person. It is actually a person. It is a person in the MCU. And you just changed the background. For that person, and again, a major Marvel villain, not kind of a minor, a major one. Oh yeah. Going on. Two weeks later, Romanoff reunites with Mason, who supplies her with a Quinjet. She leaves, intending to free the imprisoned Avengers. Of course, we know that's the beginning of Infinity, Infinity War. War. In a post-credit scene, this is the one that I was like, this is maybe the whole part of the movie that I was kind of like, okay, cool. In a post-credit scene after Romanoff's death, okay, which by the way, a lot of people caught on. Mm. There's Romanoff's gravesite, you know, the one that everybody kind of 
bitched and moaned about and was like, well, she never got a funeral. Maybe Natasha didn't want one. You know, maybe that's all she wanted was just a stone in the middle of nowhere, right? Mm-hmm. So anyway, Belova encounters Contessa Valentina Allegra de Fontaine at Romanov's grave, which if you didn't know who that was, that's the chick that shows up at the end of Falcon and Winter Soldier. Well, she shows up midway through and kind of yeah. taunts U.S. agent yeah. into becoming, well. I have an idea what's going on. I'll explain in a second. So Dave Fontaine assigns Clint Barton, who she claims is responsible for Romanov's deaths, which as Belova's bull. next target. Which is bull. No. I want to talk about that a second. So who do you think this Contessa Valentina Allegra de Fontaine is? Either ahead of Hydra or ahead of the true aim, not the Iron Man 3 well, aim. there was a female Hydra agent. Do you remember what her name was? Would that be Madam Viper? There you go, Madam Viper. Click on her name quick because I wonder if that will pop up. Hmm. Also known by her nickname, Val. And that's it? Ah, you're killing me. Mm-hmm. Contessa. Right. Contessa, Val, right? So I think I think you're on to something there. I think it actually is her. I think she's she's the... the. But here's what I think it gets sinister, okay? Mm-hmm. I think she is starting the Dark Avengers. Well, you have the Dark Cap uh, U.S. agent. Mm-hmm. You now have the gray suit... Black Widow. Mm-hmm. So, what were they missing? Uh, you know, Iron Patriot, which was being Henry Osborne, right? The Henry Osborne Patriot, which could could show up in the next Spider-Man movie, right? Dokken, which was like a Wolverine opposite. So, Norman Osborn as Iron mm-hmm. Patriot. You're right. Okay. Uh, Aries Sentry, I see right here. Newer mm-hmm. recruits. Captain Marvel. A different Captain Marvel, not the one we know. Right, which, just so you know, the next Captain Marvel movie is going to have several Captain Marvels. Mm-hmm. Just putting that out there. Um, yeah, the disgruntled son of Wolverine, Dokken, Bullseye. So, so you get Hawkeye. No, it's it's Bullseye portraying Hawkeye. Ah, but it's still Hawkeye. And we'll talk about that later, but it's Hawkeye. Hawkeye's in there. Oh. You get Captain Marvel, Scarlet Witch... Which we got Scarlet Witch there, yeah. Mm. Which we're going to talk about here in just a minute, actually. And there's other characters, too. But, by the way, U.S. Patriot also ends up joining the Dark Avengers at one point in time. You mean Iron Patriot? No. What? U.S. US Agent, excuse me. (laughs) Sorry, I meant to say U.S. Agent. So U.S. Agent ends up leading them at first, and then Norman Osborn takes over later. Now, why would she need a Dark Avengers? I think I figured it out. I I told you my my little... my little master plan here for Marvel, right? Not really, but... So, I think what happens... Because our next bad guy is who? Well, Kang. Kang. We know that, right? Thanks to to Loki, kind of blew that that one out of the water. Spoilers if you haven't watched Loki. If you haven't watched it by now, it's all over the dang internet. You should know by now. So, so we get Kang coming along. So, I think what's going to happen is the Avengers are going to attack Kang and fail. Under the leadership of Black Knight. I'm I'm calling it. Right. Under under Black Knight? Yes, under the Black Knight, they will attack Kang. They will fail. They'll get sent off into multiverses all over the place. They'll be spread out all over the universe. They won't be able to fight Kang. So I think Contessa, whatever, la 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 la, right, comes along and says, Val. But I've got this group here. They could fight Kang. And they fight Kang. They miserably fail, but in their efforts, somehow manage to get the Avengers to come back together and they defeat Kang finally. 
And in the process, since Doctor Strange becomes the Sorcerer Supreme, he's able to bring all of the crazy multiverse of craziness back together again and send the universe back in the right direction. That, I think, is the ultimate phase four. Ta-da! And then the Dark Avengers become kind of the bad guys, but they saved the day, so you really can't hate them. But in the long run, you're really not a fan of them because they kind of, like, screwed over the regular Avengers to become the Wasn't heroes that they Venom became. Venom on the Dark Avengers, too, at one yep. point? Oh, there's all sorts of bad guys that end okay. up on the Dark Avengers, yep. I was like, I swear I've seen Venom in one of the Dark Avengers comics I do have. Yep, yeah, oh yeah. Yeah, Wolverine ends up on there. Other characters do, too. So, Anyways. all right. So, Black Widow. Overall, what did you think of the film? Uh, are we doing, like, the rating out of 10? Yeah, yeah. Zero out of 10. I give it a four. Okay. Well, low. Uh, not poor, poor character portrayals. Bad plot. That wasn't really anything I wanted to see. And to be absolutely honest, I am absolutely utterly upset with Taskmaster and I will refuse to cost him the MCU version. I kind of figured as much. So I didn't like the movie either. And actually I was going to give this one a three. Wow. You and you and I are really low today. Uh, the reason I give it a three, there's only three good points to the whole movie. A mm-hmm. little bit of humor. Yeah. Good music. And the only thing I really liked about the whole movie was the red guardian. Everything else to me was an absolute and utter waste of time. And I am so upset at the movie. I actually think Marvel flopped one. And I mean it. Like, Marvel may have actually just had a flop. And I I think they're actually a little scared right now. Here's why I think they're scared. They spent $200 million in this movie, right? And they barely They waited a year and a half to release it because they wanted to make sure they really got their money back and got their money's worth out of it. Mm-hmm. Um, the box office as of right now is $272.9 million, and it doesn't look like it's getting any better soon. By the way, this movie had the largest fall off from week one to week two of any Marvel movie ever. That's pretty huge, okay? And when I say fall off, I mean a majority of people came out of the movie. They said, "Mm, no, don't like that, and didn't go back to see it a second time, which many moviegoers used to do. And as if that's not a kick in the pants enough, the people who didn't see it heard about the reaction from other people, and they kind of went, well, maybe this movie's not worth it, right? Yeah. So when you look at other movies, so I'm bringing these up now. So Avengers Infinity War. Let's let's give like some examples on numbers here, just to kind of compare, right? Oh yeah. So the budget for Avengers Infinity War was four million. But let's say four hundred million. This is on the high end. Mm-hmm. Four hundred million. It made at the box office two point oh four eight billion with a B. So they almost quadrupled. They the quadrupled crop. their money. Mm-hmm. Okay, that's Infinity War. Let's look up Avengers Endgame. Again, I'm just looking at numbers. Mm-hmm. Just sheer numbers here, right? So budget, budget was about $400 million and the box office $2.798 billion. Which And I know a lot of people are like, okay, they had big cast. That's not fair. That's not a comparison. Go to Iron Man. Right. Let's look at Iron Man. Just the regular original Iron Man film, right? Oh, you got to look at the film. Whoops. Uh, yeah. <laughs> Whoops. Technical difficulties here. 
2008 film. There's too much about Iron Man, apparently. Aha. Okay, so budget 140 million, made back five or made 585.8 million dollars. Again, when you compare that with Black Widow, not even half of what the first Iron Man film made, and that was before, right? That was before we knew that all these movies were being connected together because Iron Man was kind of like meh. Yeah. Right. Uh, Cap- How about Mer- Captain America? Two hundred sixteen million point seven million for its budget. Made three hundred seventy point six million, and that uh, I consider that a little bit like scraping by, but that there's also a, a weird like dashed uh, hyphen let's, number. Let's say it's because it's it's you know it's a it's a film that's about a character that's just getting developed. Well, here's Ant Man, right? Budget was one hundred sixty nine point three million. It made five hundred nineteen point three million. What's the one thing you're noticing here every time? The films tend to make at least double their profit. Correct. This one's barely. What's the one thing that Black Widow didn't really do? Make money. Barely made money. I think Disney has got to rethink their process here. And I'm sure they're going to write this off as, well... It's a it's it's an older, you know, like this movie's still kind of in phase three and we're in phase four now. And that's why it didn't make money. I'm telling you right now, you watch Shang-Chi not going to make its numbers back. Eternals may break even may. How do you think Shang-Chi is not going to make money back? I don't think fans are going to go see it. I don't think I, I really, I'm convinced, based on that trailers we've seen, that is not Shang-Chi and the Ten Rings. The They're losing their Marvel base. Disney's doing what it's doing to Marvel, what it did to Star Wars. They're losing their base. And if they're not careful, they're going to lose all the fans soon. So I, I really think they're going to lose them there. I think they're going to lose them a little bit on, on Eternals, depending on how they handle Eternals. I haven't seen much of a trailer for Eternals yet, but now I'm starting to get worried based on what we're seeing. And I'm telling you, unless they do something quick, you might see Phase 4 be the last phase of the Marvel Universe. I think this might be the beginning of the end. Just my guess. And I'd I'd hate to see that, but the problem is... I would too, but unless you're making movies that make sense, why would anybody go see them? Many fans online said that Endgame was released too early into phases. Absolutely. That they should have done Kang Phase 3. Yep. uh, Pushed everything back and made Endgame... Say six. Yep. Like build up the hype a little bit more. Maybe have the Infinity Stones been I, gathered one. Each. I still. I had said it all along. You should have started with the Beyonder and the Secret Wars. You should have gone to Galactus and then you go to Endgame. Like that's how Endgame is the end game, right? Like that should have been mm-hmm. the end game. That's the problem. And I said that when Endgame came out, it felt finalized. Like everything's done. Right, like you, you and, put a period on even, the sentence. Even as you and Gary and even Erica said, even though I'm kind of like I watch the films and just love them because they're just good films. If you go back to watch films now, you know where it's gonna happen. Right, so it's kind of boring now, ain't it? Yeah, though it's still fun to watch those films, and I still love watching. That's why films. I still watch Empire Strike Back because I still don't, you know, I don't get the ooh ah of you know I am your father. But I still watch it because it reminds me of the moment, brings me back to it. It makes me happy to mm-hmm. see it. It's kind of like the moment that Cap grabs Mjolnir for the first time and the whole audience oh, yeah. cheered, right? <laughs> you bring back yourself back to that. But again, you can't relive it. You can't undo what you know. So, all right. You those are our thoughts. What you th- that which you have learned. 
Yep. Those are our thoughts on Black Widow. We're going to take a break and we're going to be back in just a little bit to talk about the last two episodes of WandaVision. So we'll be back in just a moment. It's a trap. No, it's a break, but we'll be back in a moment. It's Darth Vader. Watch out. And he's got a lightsaber. It's Kenner's new Star Wars action figures, each sold separately. I got you now, Ben Kenobi. With R2-D2 and C-3PO, there's even Chewbacca and Han Solo. Someone's coming, Chewie. Who's there? It's Princess Leia and Luke Skywalker. Now I know the Force is with us. Darth Vader, R2-D2, C-3PO, and other Kenner Star Wars action figures, each sold separately. He was a mixed-species person, and even from the start, he struggled to live and survive. His mother, Amanda Grayson, could not even carry her son to full term, so he was removed from Amanda's body to complete gestation and was chemically altered as a test-tube baby. But he was the first interspecies birth to survive. The Vulcan children on his planet bullied him as a child in an effort to get him to react, using the emotions of his human side. Because of this, he grew up beside his older brother, Cybok, until he decided to reject logic, and then Cybok was cast out from his own culture. During his time on Vulcan, he was betrothed to T'Pring, but never followed through on the promise. His father, Sarak, supported his scientific learning and encouraged his application to the Vulcan Science Academy, but he rejects his acceptance to the Academy based on the fact that they should never let in students that are only half Vulcan. Instead of joining the Vulcan Science Academy, he opted to join Starfleet instead and did not speak to Sarak for the next 18 years. He enjoyed much success while in Starfleet Academy, but not much is known about his years in the Academy. After graduating from Starfleet, he is assigned as the science officer to the USS Enterprise. It was during this time on the Enterprise he was where he became a staple on away team missions and proved to Captain James T. Kirk that he was a valuable member of the crew. He was known to use the Vulcan nerve pinch when necessary, like knocking out an enemy version of Kirk that came to be thanks to a malfunction and a transporter. He also often conducted the controversial Vulcan mind meld, including when he tried to continue to broker peace between the Klingon Empire and the United Federation of Planets. During an unprovoked attack on the Klingon Chancellor Gorkon's ship, he learned of the schemes of the Federation president, Gorkon's daughter, and the Romulan High Command thanks to a forced mind meld with another Vulcan named Valeris. He also helped to discover the existence of a race of aliens that looked like Vulcans and was able to help the Enterprise identify Romulans when they first made contact with them in space. He suffers from Ponfar while on the Enterprise, and Kirk takes him back to T'Pring on Vulcan, and eventually he and Kirk agree to fight to the death so he can avoid being joined by T'Pring. It appears he kills Captain Kirk, but thanks to Dr. Bones McCoy, we discover it was all a ruse, and Kirk lives. Later in his career, he again returns to Vulcan to complete the test of Kolinar. But he is unable to complete the task because of the arrival of V'ger, where he rejoins the crew of the Enterprise to save the universe yet again. During a battle with Khan Noonien Singh, he transfers his Katra to Bones while he sacrifices himself to save the Enterprise. His body lands on a Genesis planet where he is regenerated and his Katra is returned later on. There are many other stories of the science officer, and I'm sure you know who we are talking about. And that is science officer... Spock. And now you know the rest of the Galaxy Cast story. 
Do you own a business or a podcast? Are you looking for ways to expand the audience you reach? Then Star Productions could help you. Southern Tier Audio Recording Productions started off as a homegrown audio recording company, offering professional recordings for aspiring musicians. It is now a multifunctional business, offering DJ services, recording, and advertising services to those who own businesses and podcasts. Email us at galaxycast at gmail.com with the subject advertising if you are interested. We look forward to creating a professional commercial for you that can be used in this podcast or even at your local radio station. Many have exclaimed that our services are out of this world. Welcome back to the Galaxy Cast. Roger, 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 roger. Hey, folks, welcome back to this episode of the Galaxy Cast as we review the last two episodes of season one, the only season, episodes eight and nine of WandaVision, titled previously on, that's episode eight, and episode nine, the series finale. All right, so let's get to them. We'll talk about them. I'm going to read through the you know, synopses again. We'll talk about those as we go. and. Austin and I will give a review at the end like we usually do. So in Salem in 1693, a coven of witches led by Harkness's mother, Evenora, attempt to execute Harkness for practicing dark magic. You know, that's really kind of ironic, isn't it? Mm Mm-hmm. Because, you know, aren't they all practicing dark magic? I'm just putting that out. So, but she drains their life forces. Which I kind of feel like when the mom decided to add in, I'm like, and you got drained. Duh. I was like, how did you not see that coming, right? Like, oh, we're going to capture the bad witch and get rid of her. And then they're like, well, wait. I'll get you, my pretty. And they're like, the bad witch is bad. Wait, she's bad. She you know, took like, us all down and made yeah. us corpses. It's like almost like you could almost, like, please, no, don't burn the body. Okay. <laughs> so. So in the present, Harkness demands to know how Maximoff is controlling Westview and forces Maximoff to relive key memories. Now, this part I thought was kind of cool because Harkness is like trying to play mind games with Wanda. But and more importantly, what she's trying to do is unlock Wanda's mind. How did she get to the point where she had this much control of magic and is able to control an entire town? Which I think everybody kind of missed the point of this episode in that Before regard. we get to the last one that's here, there's three incidents they forgot about. Yeah. First one is when she's a really young, I'd say toddler or preteen. Yeah. Just for a nice thing. And they're watching old family sitcoms with mom and dad. Then the bomb comes in. Absolutely jarring. Mm-hmm. Especially where we're at. We're all watching Dick Van Dyke and then... <laughs> right. Um, the second one was her being radicalized by Hydra. Yes. And her interaction with the the staff that Loki used in New York. Yep. And More the, importantly, the the Soul Stone, right? Is that the one that's in that one? The Soul Stone's in that one, yes. Yes. So the, her no, interaction. Mind Stone. The Mind Stone, mind sorry. Stone. Her interaction with the Mind Stone in that one mm-hmm. is important, too, because you pointed out, and I didn't catch it in her eyes, you During see the... the moment when the Mind Stone lights up her eyes, her eyes have a silhouette of her... As Scarlet Witch. As the Scarlet Witch costume. Right. So, obviously, there's things that happened in her past that played a major role in what's going on now. I would wonder if it's something on her mother's side. Anyway. <laughs> Possibly. Who knows, right? 
The third so, one incident they forgot was her after, um, right after Age of Ultron, and they're at the new Avengers mansion. She just moved to a new country. Her brother's dead. Her parents are dead. And Vision comes in and comforts her. Yep. And I'd like to point out, too, if you paid close attention to the TV segments and all these, mm-hmm. I think they tried to answer for you what shows they were trying to emulate. So Dick Van Dyke was the 1950s, right? Um, The second one was the Brady Bunch, which I believe was supposed to be the 60s version of what was going on. Which would probably be like now in color. Right. The only one that they missed was the 70s. We never saw when it was 70s, but we did see Malcolm in the Middle, which was the 80s version of what was going on. So I really do think they actually tried to tell you pretty closely to which shows they yeah, were trying kind of to follow based on her broken mind how the show right. ran itself by the way wikipedia fixed that because there's three major points there oh that yeah are missing. i just read through it when yeah i almost want to like maybe see if i could become an editor and fix that so harkness learns that max moth has had magical abilities since she was a child which were amplified by the mind stone and she always enjoyed sitcoms uh, i love agatha's when we get done with said scene mm-hmm. and she sums it up, she sums it up so candidly and also with a bit of sarcasm in there too. It works brilliantly. Mm-hmm. I do like Agatha's role through all this because she mm-hmm. kind of mind manipulates her, but in the weird Agnes way that she's been doing throughout the entire series, Yep, which I think is really important because it starts to show just how manipulative Agnes really is. Now, in the comic books, this is exactly how Agnes is. She tries to manipulate people into doing things she wants her to do. She tries to, you know, she's pretty is pretty Agnes, bad, bad guy in the is comics. Agnes really able to take power from those undeserving as she quit? Yes, yes. Okay. She's well, able to suck away people's souls and powers based on their ability to... Yes, it's exactly the way it is in the okay. comics. I just wanted to make sure... They're yeah, really no, no, accurate with this one, if that's the case. They are. So after the blip, Maximoff visited Sword to recover Vision's body, but Hayward refused to let her bury him. And that's where I was kind of like, okay. I didn't mind Hayward at first. I'm kind of like, well, he's you know not the greatest guy. He's obviously a S.H.I.E.L.D. director or sword director. He can't be good. But then in this scene, I was kind of like, okay, now he's a dick. <laughs> like, oh, yeah. Like, he's a jerk. He's a... He's, uh, He's on par with Joffrey. Oh, yeah. yeah. We, we just started watching uh, Game, Game of, of Thrones, Thrones yeah. for all of you people. I just started watching it because as a and kid. And he I, hates Joffrey like everybody else oh, does. I, I want to like throw, punch him through the screen. So just the fact that, that he refused to let her bury him. And then he's like, well. I can't let you bury $3 billion right, of worth vibranium. of vibranium. Which I kind of like. really yours. I'm like, I kind of get say it. A few more key words that's like, I want you to suffer. Well, I don't think, but on the other hand, he is doing what he's instructed to do, right? I imagine that. This this is a lot of money to throw away because somebody feels something, right? Yeah. I know what you're saying, but at the same time, I know a lot of people are like, well, she was in love with him. He was a robot made of parts. Sorry, he didn't have a soul, whether he had a soul stone in him or not. He never had a soul. The only thing that gave him a soul was the soul stone. Well, it's the mind stone, not soul stone. The mind stone. stone, whatever. whatever. So he didn't even have a soul. Let's put it that way. So for her soul. to be this attached to a robot is actually a little unnerving. I always thought about that mm-hmm. in the comic books. It's kind of weird that somebody would be this attached to a robot, right? Like, Yeah. Mm-hmm. Okay. Now, hang on. During this scene, I have to point out, because at the end it says here, the mid credit scene is the fully assembled body. 
Yeah. But it's reassembled. So right. I'm wondering, they're taking the body apart, figuring out how it works. So they can reassemble it, something, yes. So they can put it back together, create yes. the all-white vision. Yes. And so when... If yeah, you remember... I'll if you, talk if about... You, we'll talk about... Well, let's talk about it now. They mentioned in that scene, they had... He said, I don't remember how many of these we've built no, we've in order ta- to get we've, here. We've taken it apart and put it back together. I don't know how many times. I don't know how many times. And apparently the only thing we needed for a power source was something from the incident. Right. And they so had the 80s drone... Correct. And they Powering suck the energy the out into it. Yep. So I think in the next episode, when we have Vision tap him and basically give him his memories, he's reactivating the mind right. that Vision had that was separated Correct. from him when he became... And like I told you, because we're not going to be able to talk about it, but um, we'll talk about it in the next episode. Let's talk about it okay, when we sorry, get to the next sorry. So unable to feel any life in Vision, she drove to a lot in Westview that he had bought for her before his death so they could live there together. In a fit of grief, she manifested a house on the lot and a new version of Vision and extended the hex across the entire town. Harkness concludes that Maximoff possesses a legendary form of magic called Chaos Magic and dubs her the Scarlet Witch. In a mid-credits scene, Hayward reactivates the Vision, the now all-white reassembled original body. So, yeah. that, that <laughs> The last few sentences are pretty much like just that fast. Right. It happens that fast. But it feels paced well enough. Yeah. And I will say this. I was talking to my son about, like, at first, you kind of are, like, mad at Wanda for creating the Hex, right? And imprisoning all these people. Yeah. But then when you see towards the end why, you kind of actually feel sorry for her. All I could think of today as we watched it was, uh, imagine... Okay. So this is where my teacher hat goes on probably more than anything else. Maybe mm-hmm. even my father hat. Mm-hmm. Imagine the things this girl went through. She watched her parents get killed by a Stark bomb. She watched her brother get gunned down trying to save Sokovia. Mm-hmm. She watched she had to kill her one love interest in the world, even though it's a robot, by taking the Mind Stone and ripping it out of his body. Oh, no. Blowing it up. Then... Thanos reverse time. Just Same to thing. Rip it out so she got it. She she killed him twice. If that's not, she watched him die twice. And meanwhile, she's going about life like nothing is affecting her, and nothing has had any impact on her. And for those people who who've gone through things and bottled it up, right? So whether you've been tortured as a kid, teenager, I, I think bullied in any way and you bottled it up and you never dealt with it, I think you get this, where if you don't deal with these things, at some point in time, it comes to the surface in the worst possible way. And it just blows up. And I think that's what happened with her. The worst possible things that could happen to her kind of came blowing up all at the same time. Mm -hmm. And I felt sorry for her for that, because I think anybody who's ever been through that totally understands what that's like. And... As even you said, or rather what the Rambo said at the end of the series, she doesn't know, they don't know what you gave up. And she even mentions that she had that much power and that situation, she'd probably bring back her mom. Yeah. So she would have done the same thing. And and For everyone, it's a different person, but for the same reasons. Same reasons and having the same power. Right. 
So that was episode eight called Previously On. Let's go to episode nine, the series finale, and then we'll talk about it all together. Mm-hmm. So episode nine, Harkness attempts to make Maximoff's chaos magic, but it take Maximoff's chaos magic, but is interrupted by the Vision who tries to kill Maximoff. Well, kill might be a bit mild. She, he tried to crush her skull. Right. And then yeah, other like Vision did. just comes in and goes, I am the hero to save the day. Right. So Maximoff's Vision intervenes and fights Vision, the Vision, Throughout Westview, and it, it was quite a fight. I mean, it was a battle oh, all yeah. over town. Harkness frees the town's resonant, residents from Maximoff's control, and they convince her to open the barrier. I did kind of find it interesting that everybody started coming at Maximoff to talk to her about how they felt, you know. And I was yeah. kind of like, Yeah, if I'd have been under her control, I'd be ticked off too and wanting to go beat her up, you know. Well, like, my favorite is she's surrounded by them, they're all talking to her and yeah. chanting her, she just can't handle it, so she just. Uh, I'll just choke a, them all. No, no. Up and pulls a full force repulse and puts everyone on their knees. Yep. And they're yep. all choking. And she's like, oh, sh- I didn't mean to do that. I didn't mean to. Stop, stop, stop. So <laughs> she starts to open the barrier. Mm-hmm. Right? And, and then, then she ends up stopping when Vision and the twins begin to disintegrate because she suddenly realizes that in order to open the town up, mm-hmm. she has to destroy her family. Yep. But not before Hayward and Sword enter. And I just like to point out this whole time Harkness kind of keeps egging her on throughout this whole oh, thing, yeah. right? Save Westview or save your little family. Yeah, you, and you tied the two things together, you idiot. How could you do that? And on top of it, she's also giving really good lessons, like, oh, if you can't, you can't use your magic with these hexes, right? Because I drew them, right? And that actually happened in the last episode, but yeah, you're right. Yeah, it's just like so, those little taunts slash lessons that are hilarious. Yep. Which, again, she learned as a witch who's been working this way for a long time, and Wanda hasn't had that kind of time. So uh, Rambo learns that Pietro is an actor named Ralph Boner <laughs> and frees him <laughs> from Harkness's control. Just All like right, a, now, uh, the first time around, I didn't quite catch that. I, I guess mm-hmm. I didn't catch that totally. So it really isn't Pietro. Well, it's just an actor yes, playing no. Pietro. Yeah. And so, therefore, they did not really tie the two Marvel universes together, although it would have been cool, but they didn't. Before helping the twins stop S.W.O.R.D., the Vision flees after Vision restores his memories, which, again, I said it before. That was a whole weird incident. I had to, like, I that think down. not only did he give him all his memories, I think the more important part that maybe people are missing is the Jarvis mind chip, right, that that mm-hmm. really controlled Vision before the Mind Stone came along, got passed to the Vision, which is the white version. So he has the Stark tech in him now, I'm pretty sure. And that's why we saw the color change, because I believe Stark tech is now inside the Vision. Well, I also think that he reactivated the true vision mind. So Probably. Now he is Probably. whole again. Yep. But the whole conversation with them swirling around the library, I had to ask for explanation of this. And maybe there uh, might be some fans out there. Go look it up. Google. Yeah. It's an amazing thing. Maximoff places magical runes around the barrier that prevent Harkness from using magic. Time out. So he uses her own runes on her. Okay. So she uses the runes. What she's really doing is she's fighting her and then throwing <laughs> rune spells on the walls. Right. She's like hurling. She's three missing at, on purpose. She's missing on purpose. And mm-hmm. I'm sitting there going, 
where are those missing going? <laughs> yeah, it was actually <laughs> kind of brilliant. wrong there. So she traps her in the Agnes persona. You know, they're happy. Oh my God, I should be your neighbor. You know, kind of thing. I'm gonna trap you as as you were in this as you the role you chose in this town as the no- nosy next door neighbor. Yep. And before she's like, no, it's like poof. Yep. So Maximoff says goodbye to Vision and the twins before collapsing the hex and going into hiding. Which that was probably one of the most touching scenes of this particular episode was oh, I, saying goodbye to the kids, saying goodbye to Vision. I looked and, over and I swear you were about to cry. Well, the first time I saw it, oh, yeah, because yeah. I was just like, you, you got, you got hooked on these characters, and then you're kind of like good children, you know, like you're you're about to kill I would all these kids. That would be the situation if you had to do that for yourself. You'd be like, and I won't. I'll just stay in my little house. Um, no, I would sacrifice anything for my own children. I just wouldn't want to see them suffer. So in a mid credit scene, Hayward is arrested while Rambeau is informed by a scroll that a friend of her mother's wants to meet. And I think it's that male scroll that was in Captain Marvel. I agree with you. But that also opens up for the things I told you about, which is the scrolls might already be on Earth. And who knows who's a scroll at this point? Well, they were already on Earth back in the 80s. I know what I'm saying is what if they never left? Well, mm. I'd also sit here and say, isn't the scroll supposed to be enemies? So maybe there might be a faction of scrolls that's going to arise. Maybe. Who knows? Mm. In a post-credit scene, Maximoff hears the twins cry for help while studying the Darkhold in her astral form. Well, on top of that, she's also sipping and making tea. Well, remember, that is a woods. projection of her. Understandably, that's While a she's pro- in there and, and doing her thing. So she's she's Did you, projected herself. Do you want to talk to them about the po- potential change that happened? Um, No, because I'm not convinced that's a change. I went back and I looked at the video because... Okay, so they're... All right, I guess we have to since you brought Sorry. it up. I said potential. Uh, okay, so they, they the fans online have said that they think that they see... A, a thing moving in the background during the pan in on the cabin and that that changed post Loki. I'm not convinced it's what they think it is. They think it's supposed to be Dr. Strange on the astral plane. Here's what I think. Either you're seeing the shadow of a helicopter, probably more likely the shadow of the drone they're using that's shooting the camera footage on the snow. And I just don't it's think they cleaned it off the footage. It's more or less like a, a, a bad decision that happened with me. Yeah. I, it's I not think it was anything just, insulting. I think it was a rough cut of something that they decided to play around with. And I just think that's personally what I think. Do I think it's possible that they're trying to imply that Loki's show changed something in WandaVision and now things could change in the Marvel Universe? I think that is a crazy idea. I think it's an awesome idea. But I think that's fans stretching and reaching and trying to come up with some reason that things changed in this particular mm. end of the episode. Okay. So let's go ahead and rate these. I guess that's our best way to handle this. Uh, what would you give eight previously on? I'll give it a solid seven. Okay. It was uh, really in-depth into her character. Agatha was taunting her like any taunting villain would. But it wasn't like a Bond villain. I will explain to you everything I'm going to do. And you'll just sit there and listen. And uh, it was definitely very much fitting to see the White Vision come back and everything else. And then we just cut. It's like, ugh. Yeah, I'll admit I want the, more. the ending seemed very abrupt, but it was good because it left you wanting more. And when you have eight and nine where you're on the season finales and you've been releasing them, like, one each week, that's, like, the most... Yeah, it was kind of torture It was a yeah. wonderful torture. It reminded me of Clone Wars with those three-part arcs mm-hmm. that just, like, ended. And you're like, 
But no. So I would give number eight previously on an, an eight because I thought it was really, really well written. I liked Harkness. I actually thought here's the WandaVision backstory I always wanted, right? Like I wanted to mm-hmm. know more about her and we finally got it. Like if I were to ask for a movie for Scarlet Witch, this would have been it right here. This would have explained how the Scarlet Witch became the Scarlet Witch. The sad part is this did a better job of giving a backstory to Scarlet Witch than the whole Black Widow movie did to give the backstory of Black Widow. How sad is that? I was sitting here thinking that today as we were watching it. How does a one-hour show of a TV show give me more to a backstory of a character than an entire two-and-a-half-hour movie of a Marvel character that we should already know the backstory to? Because terrible writers. Just because. Okay, how about episode nine? How would you rate uh, episode nine, the series finale? A definite nine. (laughs) Okay, good. it it, It tugged on the heartstrings right at the end. There was definitely a lot of semantic tension, even a, a psychological or philosophical debate. Mm-hmm. Which I thought Agnes's points were valid. Oh yeah, absolutely. And even having the you can save Westview or you can save your family. What's it gonna be? Right. See, you I was know. gonna give it a nine too for several mm-hmm. reasons. For that, for that, I agreed with all those. I thought having Vision fighting himself, like I always wanted to see the Vision fight, you know, the white Vision. That was really cool well, to I see that. I love seeing the density phasing, like they yeah. phase through mm-hmm. each other and then like rip each other around. It was really cool. <laughs> was I, awesome. I I liked seeing Harkness going after uh, uh, Scarlet Witch, you know, the two of them fighting each other. I loved seeing the Scarlet Witch costume for the first time oh, in yeah, action. Oh, yeah, I forgot to mention that. It was kind of nice to actually see that. I, I actually liked all of the... <laughs> All the endings that were not wrapped up. So I'm, I'm kind of curious what they're going to do with the scroll thing. I'm kind of curious as what they're going to do with Maximoff now being off in this cabin somewhere learning from the Darkhold. I don't mind the fact that they changed the Darkhold from the Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D., although kind of wish they would have kept the one from Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D., but okay. And just overall, it, the pacing was amazing. I thought it was a great ending to this. Made me oh. want to actually see more WandaVision. And I was kind of like sad to be like, well, that's it. That's WandaVision. We're not going to see more of that, you know? Well, the one thing I'm glad for is, okay, let's suppose she's out there doing stuff and all of a sudden Doctor Strange approaches her at the beginning of Multiverse of Madness and says, I need your help. Well, supposedly that was the original plan, was to have Doctor Strange show up at the end of this episode. I was a little perplexed why they didn't do that. Perhaps I'm beginning wanted... to think there's reasons beyond our knowledge for that mm-hmm. that we're going to find out later. I would love to see, um, and this might just be me as in a fan world, I'd like to see Strange teach <coughs> Maximoff to use her powers. Because she's even said in the... Well, I think that's the... what's going to happen. Towards the end of this particular episode, she mentions even talking to uh, Rambeau. She's like, I'm sorry for what I've done. I don't know how to use these powers, but I will learn how to use them. Well, he's Sorcerer Supreme yet now, mm-hmm. and it would be his job to teach her how to control it. So I totally see that coming. Yep. Okay, so those were our thoughts on The Black Widow on the last two episodes of WandaVision. We'd love to hear from you. Let us know at galaxycast at gmail.com or find us on our social media accounts. We are on Facebook. We are on Twitter. We are on MeWe. We are on YouTube. You can comment for our, on our episode there, uh, or you can even find us on Rumble and comment for our episode there. Uh, next time, we are going to start with the first episode now of... Captain and Winter Soldier. I know there's a lot of people that want to hear what we have to say about that, and I have not talked about that a lot. 
episode, we're going to talk about Falcon and Winter Soldier, and I think this will be one that's going to be one for the books because definitely on a controversy going on there. Okay. So, like we always like to say here in the Star Production Studios, may the force be with those who listen. Jedi Killer Dillian and Shatterpoints people. My dad hates them. Go! Thanks for taking the time to listen to this episode of the Galaxy Cast. We hope the show enlightened you on some of the latest stories in the realms of science fiction, fantasy, and cosplay. We appreciate your time and we also value your opinion. We'd love to hear from you. Please take some time to send us your feedback at our email, which is galaxycast at gmail.com. Or you can contact us via social media. Just head on over to Facebook or Twitter and search the word GalaxyCast, all one word, and leave us some comments. If you want to see some behind the scenes of our production, head on over to YouTube and search GalaxyCast there as well. You will find us under our Star Productions banner. The GalaxyCast podcast can also be found online at GalaxyCast.com or through your podcast aggregators like the Apple Store or Spotify. The Galaxy Cast is a production by Star Productions. Themed commercials within this episode are also written and produced by Bob Chrisman through Star Productions, all rights reserved. Music from the intro and outro of the Galaxy Cast can be found online at www.silvermansound.com. Intro music is titled Switch Me On, and outro music is titled The Gatekeepers. You can find links in our show notes. Until next time, Galaxy Cast fans. Follow the first star to the right and straight on till morning.